0: straight to the brain. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 6 of Straight to the Brain, a podcast where I do research on a scientific topic and try to make it more digestible for the masses. I'm your host, Xavier Fajardo, and sitting next to me is my co-host, Mio Ramos.
1: Yay! Hi guys, (laughs) what's up?
0: Oh man, we were supposed to record this Like a couple hours ago, but Mm we got sucked down a wormhole watching The Last Dance.
2: The Last Cha Cha Dance.
0: I know. You were, and you were, you didn't want to watch it either. You were hesitant. I
1: I just, I'm not a big basketball fan, and that's why I was like, eh, I don't think I'd be that interested. But yeah, what I was trying to
0: tell people, because I I had been looking very much forward to seeing it because I'd heard nothing but good things about it. And so I was super excited when they finally put it on Netflix. It's addictive. Yeah, what I had been (laughs) trying to tell. People is like, it's not just about basketball, like, it's yeah. about people because it's yeah. like, yes, like these were stars at basketball, and a lot of it is obviously about basketball, but it's mostly about just like excelling, mm-hmm. like, at anything. And it's just these people who are the best or were the best and were just hyper competitive,
1: yeah. And each episode, it like deep dives into, into each like one of the main people, yeah, like life and how they got to where they are today or like where they were at that time what was it like the 1990s is well um, okay
0: so the last dance is the 97 season. 98 right that yeah one, it's that 97 okay. 98
1: so yeah like that time period leading up to that point yeah
0: leading up to the last dance which is yeah. their last season
1: but it's pretty good so far we haven't finished yet i think we're on episode three
0: i know yeah and i'm even still finished episode 3 i'm still caping oh, for dennis rodman too just because like
1: Oh, I love it. I feel his like, yeah, because style. I feel like so funny the awesome. way he
0: had always been described to me by other people, and the way the media always portrayed him. Yeah, I always thought like he was this awful person, yeah, but yeah, like yeah, seeing yeah, yeah. him behind the scenes and all of these interviews and stuff, I'm like, he seems totally chill. Like he's just a dude who likes to dye his hair and mm-hmm. dress weird, he which to, I can totally yeah. relate with as someone oh, who used same. to dye my hair and dress weird.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to be. Outgoing and out there and different. Yeah, he just
0: like to party and have a good time, and,
1: mm-hmm. and everybody like, was so square like back then. It was like you gotta be this way, you gotta wear these clothes, you gotta be this person. He's like, no, I wanna dye my hair pink.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then nobody, you like who are, don't are realize you? Realized too that all of these people, it's not like they were ever. Brought up to be ready to be in the limelight. You know what yeah. I mean? And so, like, when Dennis Rodman, like, had his moments and, like, kind of, like, freaked part. out and stuff, it's like, yeah, but nobody ever prepares you for that.
2: Mm-hmm. It,
1: I, I would have probably been where he is, too. I'm not, I personally am not really big into getting, like, a lot of attention. So, I, I would definitely be uncomfortable having that many cameras in front of you. When they were showing the episode, it was, like, hordes of TV production and, like, all this media and people just shoving these microphones in everybody's faces and i was like damn that, that looks like that sucks
0: yeah but that was one Fame of the things that, really <laughs> shitty yeah that was one of the things we had noticed too that we both were like oh wow like i wonder if that's just how paparazzi and like media were back then mm-hmm. was how when they were interviewing michael jordan they were like swarming him but the second he was like all right guys like i'm done like they all just backed away and let him go
1: yeah they had mad respect for him
0: yeah and it was very interesting i was kind of like was that just like back then or is that just like kind of the clips that they're picking or yeah is it just yeah. like their like respect for him that they're like all right man the king's fucking done I like time know. to back off
1: he he doesn't seem like the person that would take any shit like he he seems like the person that if they were like no no wait 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 he'd be like fuck you fuck off i'm gonna go now like yeah he, like he i gave you my time mm-hmm, now get out of my face now so i need to go back and, and practice again yeah i need to be the best of the best you need to be the best I can be.
0: Maybe need to be a star. I want to be the, <laughs> the very, very best that no one ever was.
1: Pokemon. That's perfect. I'm literally wearing a Pokemon you shirt. You are wearing
0: a Pokemon shirt right a, now.
1: What is it called when it's not like that brand? It's like a... Oh, it's like a knockoff, yeah. I was going to say backwards. That's not right. What is it? <laughs> <that?
0: laughs> it's a, like, a, like a knockoff. <laughs> Back- backwards.
1: No, that's, that's a special word for it. Sloppy Robbie taught it to us.
0: Oh, so there's a fake, and then there's a bootleg. Bootleg! That's was what it bootleg? Is.
1: Yes, 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 yes. I was like, it starts with a B. That's why I said backwards. <laughs> all right. Yes, I'm wearing a bootleg version that I thrifted.
0: Yeah, it's really funny <laughs> because whoever whoever made this shirt didn't realize that Pokemon was one word. <laughs> and so yeah. it just says Poke okay. space mon.
1: Pokemon. There's no little hyphen either. Nothing. And Bulbasaur. Oh, and doesn't, have, doesn't, a doesn't have a bulb. What else? So it just on?
0: looks like a weird blue dog.
1: There's no Psyduck either. Usually Psyduck's around with what's her face.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. The two. Well, the one that's usually with her is Toka Really? Yeah. Be- well, she has a Misty has a Psyduck, but the one that she always has out has out is Toka Huh. Remember the little egg like- one.
1: No, yeah, but I feel like in pictures I always see depicted, Mm. it's Psyduck.
0: Yeah, because Psyduck is one of those Pokemon that always busts out of its Pokeball for her. So she'll be just doing whatever and Psyduck will just pop up. "Ah." Yeah. (laughs) It is interesting that the two Pokemon they decided to put on the shirt were, of course, Pikachu. Gotta have Pikachu. They knew that much. Mm -hmm. But then they just Bulbasaur and (laughs) forgot the bulb. So he's just a sore.
1: (laughs) Oh, Pikachu also doesn't have the black on his tail. Oh, yeah. It's just red and yellow for some reason. Interesting. Yeah, a lot of different. It's not right. It's a bootleg. It's
0: not right is the moral of the story. It's not
1: right, but it's not wrong. It's semi-right. Halfway there.
0: And on that note, let's go (laughs) ahead and continue with what this episode is supposed to be about. So today, we will be continuing our discussion on the innate immune system. This is part two, so be sure to go back and listen to part one, because topics from that episode will be referenced in this episode. And
1: it won't make sense if you don't go back and listen to the first part.
0: Exactly. But as a recap, last episode, we discussed what a pathogen is, our skin and mucosal surfaces, which Mm -hmm. provide a physical barrier from pathogens. Slippery. How our immune system identifies pathogens, and the earliest weapon deployed by our immune system... The compliment system. Mm-hmm. I would say the most important things to keep in mind from last episode during this episode would be PAMPs and the compliment system.
1: Oh, Twinkie.
0: Yes. Part of the compliment system, if you listened to last episode, was the little Twinkie.
1: Little Twinky, R.I.P. little Twinky. I don't know where you went or why you died, but R.I.P.
0: R.I.P. <laughs> no, remember Twinkies? Are we like left
1: them in the last episode. That's why it's Twinkies
0: I. along with cockroaches are supposed to be like the only thing that can survive <laughs> okay. a nuclear holocaust. Just
1: outlive everything. Yeah. That's okay. And uh, then okay. all the roaches well, just
0: survive on Twinkies.
1: They'll be there then. They'll be there at the end of the episode.
0: I think somebody, just because that's one of the unfortunate parts about some scientists mm-hmm. and that includes me sometimes where it's just like you kind of just like to poke holes in things using science. And, like, I believe somebody did that where they, like, did all these tests to see what a cockroach really could withstand. And they're like, yeah, no, like, they're going to die, too. Oh,
1: my God. And
0: it's like, (laughs) damn, that was the only constant we had. Like, we had all agreed that they were going to survive this and tell everyone our story, I guess. I don't know.
1: Yeah, the cockroaches will. They're like, gather
0: around around the fire, children. Let us (laughs) tell you about these bipedal apes that used to just throw (laughs) food away. And that allowed us to flourish. <laughs> and they're just gathering around like a campfire, and it's like a little fire feet, and like yeah, little pitter patter, <laughs> little pitter patter. Some
1: flying because they're freakish and that's what they do. I don't know. Yeah, rushes are cool. Freak me out.
0: They're one of that's those disgusting. insects along with flies, where it's because in general my default setting for insects mm-hmm. and arthropods in general is I love insects, especially uh, arachnids, which are not insects but are still arthropods, but. There's just something about roaches and flies where I just have a visceral reaction to them, but I do respect them.
1: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, insects are okay until they start moving towards me. Then I forget. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) I like to admire them from from afar. Admire them from afar, exactly.
0: So in this episode, we're going to focus mainly on the different effector cells and their general role in the innate immune response. Okay. I know last week I believe I said that we would be covering the inflammatory response this episode mm-hmm. but I decided to focus on all of those multi-cell and cytokine processes next episode because they are very important but complicated Lengthy. processes yeah mm-hmm. and so like I wanted to just kind of continue giving like a general knowledge of all the moving parts before getting to like the actual mechanism and yeah. how they all move together
1: Yeah that makes complete sense
0: so let's revisit our scenario from last episode. You're trail running when you trip and fall, scraping your knee. You
1: fall in bear shit. And you fall in bear shit. break your neck and you die.
0: <laughs> but let's say you survived. <laughs>
1: yeah, just the bear shit.
0: <laughs> Pathogens from the ground have now bypassed your skin and are establishing a local infection. Okay. We discussed last episode how the first attack is conducted by a series of proteolytic proteins called complement components. While the complement system has been shown to be devastating toward pathogens in cell culture, they're not as effective in vivo. Mm -hmm. Within the body, they act primarily as markers and chemoattractants for effector cells. We know from last episode that the first step in neutralizing a pathogen is identifying the pathogen. You gotta
1: get your airplane baggage checked and tagged.
0: Once a pathogen has been identified, effector cells are activated and recruited to the site of infection to clear said infection. Before covering the various mechanisms by which effector cells neutralize pathogens, Let's first discuss what the different effector cells are and where they come from.
1: Like the, okay, we, uh, so y- you've read the Bible, right? you read yeah. the Bible. Do you remember the part at the beginning where it's like just the lineage? It's just like this person had this many kids and they live for 900 years. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that's what we're about to do is about to deep dive into the lineage of cells and see how long.
0: What's interesting is like, so in a similar fashion, for mm-hmm. some reason that's not standing out to me as much because I, I did go to private school. Yeah. Not because like my family or I were particularly religious. It was just I'm pretty sure it was mostly because they didn't want me to go to the public schools in the area we lived in, which were yeah. shitty. Uh-huh. And so they're like, well, let's put him in private school so he doesn't get bullied. Oh, uh, but I that's what I feel like it was just because like none of us were particularly super religious yeah. at the time. Like I know now my dad is more religious, but at the time nobody really cared about that kind of stuff. Yeah. But so like that's not sticking out in my head. That much, but you saying that did remind me, and this is just a testament to how I probably would have been bullied because I'm such a nerd. it made me think of the original Beowulf because oh, okay. in the original Beowulf, it opens up by showing all of the family trees, oh, it so, that you, yeah, exactly, oh, so okay, that you yeah, exactly, okay. so that you understand. Who's related to who, and why this person's important, and stuff like that. Uh And then they go into the they go into the explanation of where like all the like Hildirfirk came from and stuff like that. Uh Like all of the fae and like monsters. Uh (laughs) Hildirfirk.
1: Yeah, you like. Yeah,
0: it's yeah, it's like an it's an Icelandic (laughs) word for fae, like all the fairy folk. They're Uh the hidden people. I think I believe it translates directly to hidden people.
1: That's pretty cool. Okay. But so
0: that's where all of the monsters and witches and like Grendel from yeah, Beowulf yeah, yeah. and stuff—they all originate from Cain. Uh, oh. Because like after Cain, Creepy. after Cain killed his brother in the Bible, his like lineage after that is like all of the monsters that we know of.
1: All these fucked up beasts. All right, let's Beowulf this bitch up. <laughs> Beowulf.
0: Yeah, Beowulf is sick. Old biblical stuff is just super sick it's interesting like yeah. with uh lilith how lilith is supposed to be like the original mm-hmm. female and how it wasn't actually eve mm-hmm. in like uh in like jewish mythology and lore yeah yeah and so it's like because eve was made to be subservient to men so she was made from like the rib of adam whereas lilith was made an equal to man but because she of that <laughs> she, yeah because of that she wouldn't take the bullshit from adam and so god casted her out from eden and so that's when god made eve so that she would be subservient very interesting and so i believe lilith goes on to become like another like Cain figure but in judaism where it's kind of like she's a
1: vampire
2: yeah she becomes
0: like a vampire and <laughs> stuff Apparently. like that essentially yeah it's like it's not the way you would think of a modern vampire is but i believe she would like kill children hmm. if i'm remembering correctly Damn. because every time she tries to conceive i think her children die as a curse from god and so in retaliation she (laughs) goes yeah i could be wrong on that i'm not a biblical scholar so let's move on all right (laughs) the cells of the immune system are referred to as white blood cells Mm -hmm. yes like osmosis jones yes but the word we will be using in place of white blood cell is leukocyte which translates to white cell in ancient greek for anyone who's curious.
2: That's actually pretty
0: cool. <laughs> Leukocytes, along with other blood cells, are continually produced by the body in a process known as hematopoiesis.
1: Whoa, well, that's a fun word.
0: It is a really fun word, and I, I am about that so happy that I pronounced it, I'm pretty sure, correctly. I just had okay. to go in it with confidence. How did you say it? Hematopoiesis.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I remember saying it different in How do whole. you say it? H- hematopoiesis?
0: Mm, yeah that sounds way harder (laughs) oh my god yeah i'm gonna go with my way well
1: hopefully you'll say it again it's my way or Or the the highway highway.
0: (laughs) all leukocytes are derived from a common progenitor cell called a pluripotent hematopoietic stem cell which can also give rise to red blood cells and platelets interestingly the site of hematopoiesis changes as an embryo develops into a real baby,
1: not a fake baby,
0: not a fake baby. <laughs> As an embryo, blood cells are first produced in the yolk sac, and then later in the fetal liver. And yes, human embryos have a yolk sac. You
2: have them for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: this is the stage in development where we still look like weird little lizard people. They love- Lizard people, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> live on in us for a period of time. Apparently,
0: uh, God, man, yeah, they do
1: look like little lizards with their little
2: tails. The reptilian—that's so like one of the—that's
0: one of the most <laughs> interesting conspiracy theories out there—is that everything is actually run by, by reptilians. reptilians. <laughs> but every time, I can't remember who it is, but mm-hmm. he's somebody who's like a legitimate believer of the reptilian, like Empire? deep state. <laughs> But, no, like, maybe. his wording and stuff... So, that's the other thing with all these conspiracy theories. They all end up, in the end, somehow becoming anti-Semitic. Like, that's just how every one of these conspiracy theories what? ends. And so, like, a lot of people kind of, like, draw a lot of parallels between, like, his beliefs of the reptilian overlords and kind of say, like, hey, that's just another word for... Like, you're basically a Zionist. Like, you kind of think that, like, like oh. the Jews run the world. Whoa. But, like, I don't know. That, it's just interesting to me, like... Like that, like conspiracy theories always end with anti-Semitism, and ancient alien stuff always ends with like weird white supremacist stuff. Whoa. Where like most of their, <laughs> where most of their reasoning behind like there's no way these brown and black people could have uh-huh. done this must have been aliens.
1: I gotta look out for that next time I hear a conspiracy theory and see where it ties into
0: anti-Semitism. Yep. <laughs> yeah, like I know even flat Earth typically oh ends god. up in like anti-semitism because the that's argument so as dumb. to how they could keep this huge conspiracy theory under wraps for so long mm-hmm. i think is because the jews control the media is god the, damn it yeah that's why i say <laughs> everything just turns anti-semitic no, it's you're super just
1: dumb. weird <laughs> i think the earth's flat you know what <laughs> else is flat my titties <laughs> i thought you're gonna
0: say the foot that you're gonna stick up their ass
1: <laughs> that's that, that, yeah, of those things. I thought you were
0: going to go for a sick burn, but all you did was burn yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah, because it was the first thing that came to my head, and I had to say it. I didn't know what
0: to do. Or well, you know what? You made a sacrifice for comedy, and I respect that. Thank you. After a few months of fetal development, hematopoiesis shifts to the spleen. Hmm. As the bones start to develop after the fifth month of fetal development, blood cell production starts to shift to the bone marrow, but still takes place partially in the spleen, up until about seven months.
1: Okay, so it's like both.
0: Yes. Okay. So yeah, so because the because the bones take time to develop, and so yeah. as they're developing, it's starting to take place within the bone marrow, mm-hmm. but like the spleen is still helping out because the bones haven't fully developed yet.
1: They got baby bones.
0: They got baby bones. That baby got baby bones. <laughs> Once the baby is born, pretty much all hematopoiesis takes place in the bone marrow. As an adult, hematopoiesis occurs predominantly in the bone marrow of the femurs pelvis vertebral column ribs sternum and skull
1: so everywhere well
0: (laughs) (laughs) well okay well not your arm bones like it didn't name like the humerus Uh, the uh, ulna uh, the the arm bones the radius (laughs) yeah the tibia the fibula I'll go all day naming bones. Oh, look
2: at you go. Yeah.
0: It's not all the bones.
2: (laughs)
1: Almost all. The main ones. Okay. Big ones. (laughs) The big ones, yes. The big bones.
0: As previously mentioned, all blood cells are continually made throughout one's lifetime, and that is because they are short-lived cells. The average lifespan of a leukocyte ranges from 13 to 20 days.
1: Okay, so they're being remade like constantly. Yes. Yeah, that reminds me of uh, taste buds. I think I don't I don't know how long it takes for them to replenish, but I know after a while you get like a new set of them, like rims on a car. <laughs> and yeah, you were te- your, you were telling it me it that, your, and I didn't your know that. Taste, yeah, because um, well,
0: I mean, I assumed they replenished but I didn't realize yeah. it affected your taste, which is what you were telling yeah,
1: me. Yeah, because I I don't, man, it's it's weird. I, how old was I? I? I think it was in my teens. I used to love bacon. Like I I loved waking up to the smell of it. Like it was so homey. It was great. And then one day I woke up and. I was like, uh, it smells kind of rank in here. I don't know. And I go downstairs and they're making bacon. I'm like, oh, it's just breakfast. And then when I ate it, it, it just didn't taste the same. It wasn't the same. It, it tasted gross. really gross. Yeah. Nothing was the same so
0: once the Fire Nation attacked. I d- exactly. <laughs> and the Fire Nation attacked your taste buds.
1: Yeah. And it said, fuck your taste buds. I don't know. I think maybe it was just because I got older and so my sense of taste changed. But I don't know. I think it's kind of cool how they change out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's shit. there's like this interesting... uh. It's like a philosophical kind of brain game Mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, let's say that you have a ship and you named this ship Bessie, let's say. And so this is good old Bessie, an old (laughs) wooden ship. But as Bessie gets old, you start to replace one plank at a time. Mm -hmm. Eventually, you have replaced the entire boat, but it still looks like Bessie. But is it still Bessie? Mm. And so that's that thing where it's like once okay. we learned that all of our cells continually replace themselves. And we do have some cells that are, survive the length of Whoa. our lifetime. But so it's the idea where that's it's like weird. like your your stomach cells, your lung cells, your liver, like everything is constantly replenishing itself as the cells naturally die, as is they're programming because if they refuse to die, well, then that's when you get cancer. That's what cancer is, is a cell refusing to die and starting to mass replicate out of control. It's
1: too much of itself. That's crazy. So you're yourself, but and, you're And, not and
0: so, yeah. And so that's the philosophical. You're philosoph- a lizard person. That's, the, that's the philosophical <laughs> debate is, are you okay. still you?
1: Yeah. Well. Which is interesting. I mean, hey, you got your memories and you got your consciousness. I think that's what makes you you. Yeah. Not yourselves.
0: <laughs> so... These hematopoietic stem cells can either divide to give rise to more hematopoietic stem cells,
2: okay.
0: a process called self-renewal, or the stem cell can mature and commit to one of three cell lineages. Ooh, commitment. The <laughs> commitment is scary. It is. The erythroid, okay. the myeloid, or lymphoid. Okay. And so those are the three lineages it can commit to. If anyone has a background in medical terminology, you may have surmised that the urethroid progenitor gives rise to our urethrocytes, or red blood cells. These are the cells that carry oxygen around the body to different tissues and organs. Mm -hmm. The urethroid progenitor also gives rise to platelet-producing megakaryocytes. And Mia, would you like to explain what a megakaryocyte is?
1: Yeah, sure. So just like the name implies, a megakaryocyte is just a very large nucleus cell so mega large karyonucleus inside cell um and it's created or it comes about via fusion of precursor cells and like you said um it is responsible for the production of those platelets and that helps with blood clotting so if you get a scratch or a cut it'll help you know create that scab and keep the blood from pouring out of you like people with homophilia which it is really hard for them to uh well for their blood to clot, so if they get like a small scratch, they have a really high chance of bleeding yeah, out. Yeah, of so it scary, being more serious than so it needs scary. to be. Yeah. Didn't um people back then like like princes and princesses, they had those problems and so yes, they kept them indoors all the time. Yeah,
0: it seems to be very common with incest. And oh, okay. so obviously royal families were very incestual because they're trying to keep the crown within the bloodline. And so, yeah, so Mm -hmm. I I do believe hemophilia was, in fact, one of those sicknesses that plagued a lot of, like, princes and princesses.
1: I wonder how (laughs) princesses Yeah, that was, for some reason, (laughs) that was really hard for my mouth. It is hard. All the
0: stupid Latin science words I'm about to say in this episode, and that's (laughs) the thing I have a problem with.
1: I wonder uh, the percentage of how prominent it is now versus how prominent it was back then, I bet. It probably lowered, or maybe it heightened. I don't know. I look that up later.
0: Yeah, I want to say too. Oh man, was it hemophilia? Because I don't hear about it as it... much.
1: You know, unless oh just... no, I
0: believe it was. What do you What do you have a problem with? Anemia. Anemia. That I, I was trying to remember if the yeah. prince from the last czars of Russia. Iron. I was trying to remember if the prince had hemophilia or had anemia. Anemia. But yeah. I believe he had anemia that because shit sucks. that. Yeah, that was how they got that crazy dirty wizard Rasputin (laughs) into their court was because he was, like, the only person who was Uh. able to make the prince healthy somehow.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And he gave him, what did he give him?
0: Well, no, so that's the thing. So at the time, I believe, what were they using? It might have been too early for aspirin, but it might have been an early version of that.
1: Oh, okay, okay, okay.
0: But they were giving, the, the doctors at the time, uh the boy with anemia was always getting hurt and always in pain and so they gave him a lot of some kind of painkiller and i oh, want to say it was aspirin blood? uh yeah exactly so it was thinning okay. his blood he and since he worse. was uh anemic it only made him more sick and worse mm-hmm. but because rasputin was a wizard and believed in, like, <laughs> all wizard, of these, right? like, natural things, he took him off the medicine.
2: Oh, okay, okay. And
0: because of that, he got it better. Just
2: naturally made him better. Exactly, That's because so they weren't thinning his
0: blood anymore. But so Damn. now the czars are convinced that Rasputin actually has powers. Yeah. And he wasn't completely responsible for the fall of the czars, but he was partially <laughs> responsible for the fall of the czars. He
1: was responsible for making that boy not sick as much. Yes. Yeah, that shit rocks your world. Well, you I mean they, they, up they ended, ended up they dizzy. ended up
0: executing him anyway. Great. Awesome. Because <laughs> once yeah, once the once they <laughs> once the he's one, dead. once the revolutionists <laughs> overtook the czars, uh-huh. they they killed the entire royal family. That's yeah, it's pretty bad. I can't wait dead. until one day when I have extra time. To make yet another podcast so I can talk about crazy shit like that. Let's do it. But let's continue on today's subject.
1: Oh, I see a picture.
0: Yeah, picture's coming up. So yes, platelets are small, non-nucleated cell fragments that break off from these megakaryocytes. Mm-hmm. And so they just break off of them and they help clot the blood and help maintain blood vessel integrity. Mm-hmm. And so now we're coming down
2: <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> to this
0: picture. And so here's our family tree. This uh, is our yes. Beowulf slash Biblical, biblical family tree. And it's showing where everything starts. And, of course, this photo will be posted for every one of you on our website.
1: Come see the pancakes. They look like little pancakes.
0: So here we're starting at our hematopoietic stem cell. Mm-hmm. And so the 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 route that we're talking about right now, if you're facing the picture, we're going to the right. And so we're going from a hematopoietic stem cell, and it is maturing into what is a common myeloid precursor. Mm-hmm. So the common myeloid precursor can give rise to several different cell types. It even gives rise to the megakaryocyte erythroid progenitor that we mentioned moments earlier. And so you can see Mm -hmm. here how from that common myeloid precursor, it could actually further...
1: Goes right again.
0: Yeah, it goes right again. And then that's where we end up getting our platelets and our red blood cells instead. But to dedicate itself to making a leukocyte, the common myeloid precursor must mature into a granulocyte slash macrophage progenitor. Okay. From there, this progenitor cell divides and differentiates to make all of our different leukocytes, which can be further divided into two groups and then one lonely cell.
1: One less lonely cell. That's a Justin Bieber reference for <laughs> <laughs> it's from an old song I would listen
0: to. <laughs> wait, really? One it lonely was, cell. Well,
1: it was one less lonely girl.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: you're gonna be one less
0: lonely. Girl. Be one less lonely cell. <laughs>
1: one less lonely cell. It's the biology version. All right. Wait. Yes. So yeah, so that's you going can see right left. here. Yes. So Instead.
0: so yes. Yeah. So the common myeloid precursor can become a megakaryocyte okay. slash erythroid progenitor, and that's where we end up getting our platelets blood cells. and blood cells. Red blood but cells, yep. we are doing the common myeloid precursor, and now we are dedicating ourselves to making leukocytes, and to do that, it must now shift to becoming a granulocyte slash macrophage progenitor.
1: Okay, other way, with a little dots. It has a bunch of little dots and got a little horseshoe.
0: Yes, and so then, like I was saying, it will split down into either two different groups mm-hmm. of leukocytes, or goes off and makes this one lonely cell one less, one lonely, less cell. lonely
2: cell. <laughs> All right.
0: The first group we will discuss consists of granulocytes, which are characterized by their prominent cytoplasmic granules. Which
1: are gonna be the little the little dots that you see in the picture. So that's the neutrophils, basophils, and eosinophils, which we'll talk about more as we go on, right? We're gonna deep dive in each one. Yes. Okay, cool. <gasps> yes, picture
0: these cytoplasmic granules contain reactive substances which are used to kill microorganisms and enhance the inflammatory response mm-hmm. the most abundant of both granulocytes and leukocytes in general is the neutrophil
1: it's the biggest one right no it awesome. is not no it's not just kidding <laughs> so <Talk>. here <laughs> is a
0: picture of the neutrophil and here's what we've actually seen in microscopes because mm. we had to oh, spend yeah. a lot of time staring at blood stains yeah
1: we did it was part of our uh test right we had to look at it and identify it and identify right the different yeah.
0: b- white blood cells yes yeah, and yeah. so yeah and then it was always awful because we're gonna get into it in a little bit mm-hmm. but there is one that is especially rare and trying to find it is the biggest pain in the yeah, ass it really is hard to do. <laughs> but so here's our cartoon version and you can see just this general circular shape, and mm-hmm. it has all these little dots in it, and those are our granules. Yeah. And then you can see the nucleus, which is multi-lobed, and it looks like a little horseshoe.
1: Yeah, but the, the multi-lobed is just more than two, because some are two, but we have, like, a special name for them, right? Yes. This one, it, it sometimes it can have more than three, huh? Yeah, it
0: could have, like, three, four, five.
1: Five, yeah. It, was, it looks really crazy. <laughs>
0: Neutrophils specialize in the engulfment and killing of microorganisms. Mm -hmm. Cells with this ability are referred to as phagocytes, and the process of engulfing pathogens is called phagocytosis. Hell yeah. This differs from endocytosis, which is the process by which cells invaginate molecules needed for cellular functions, Mm -hmm. cell communication, or as we discussed in our COVID-19 episodes, viruses. However, the virus part isn't intentional, obviously. Phagocytosis is the principal mechanism by which our immune system kills microorganisms. And of the phagocytes, neutrophils are the most lethal. Neutrophils are short-lived, dedicated killers that constantly circulate in the blood.
1: Ooh, they're the assassins of the granulocyte realm.
0: (laughs) I'll kill anything. I just love killing. Here I go killing again. (laughs) i can't remember Blood. the name. yeah do you remember that the the assassin from rick and morty
1: no what episode what what season Sorry, uh, what season? i think that? it's
0: i think it's season two and oh, like man. morty gets mad at rick for hiring an assassin and rick is trying to be like oh no like it's not an assassin and then the assassin hands morty his card and he's like yeah i'll kill anyone women children old people animals <laughs> i don't care i just love killing and then like and then right before breaking into like this supermax prison where he's gonna assassinate Uh an inmate he's like he looks at like a picture of his like no he looks at a picture of his wife and kid Uh and then he does this prayer and he's like well here i go kill it again and then (laughs) he just takes (laughs) off
1: like he's a serial killer not even an assassin no (laughs) he just likes to
0: kill well he kills for money Uh, oh which makes him an assassin it's different Uh, kind of yeah if
1: it's for money you, you you can like it just on the down low.
0: Yeah. All right. uh-huh, okay. <laughs> you you got to love what you do.
1: <laughs> but not too much.
0: And then it never feels like you worked a day in your life exactly. when you love what you do. <laughs> Upon pathogenic invasion, neutrophils are the first effector cells to be recruited to the site of infection by resident leukocytes in those tissues. This recruitment of neutrophils is one of the first steps in the inflammatory response, mm-hmm. which is something we will talk more about in depth next week but now let's examine how neutrophils neutralize pathogens as we keep reiterating the first step in neutralizing a pathogen is identifying a pathogen you
1: gotta tag the baggage, bitch. show me your idea are you over 18 are you no you're going to jail bitch and you're gonna die you're gonna die there you're gonna die in jail
0: oh my god that's eating, awful
1: eating corn and weird mush meat
0: yeah, those like weird like.
1: It's Monday mystery meat day. <laughs>
0: I think I think that's something they typically use for inmates in solitary confinement or something yeah. like that. But it's literally just like this weird protein block.
1: Mush meat? Nah, bush meat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's bush meat. It's chimpanzee meat. Yeah,
1: you want some? It's
0: good. I do not. Okay. Because if it if I've this learned guy, anything, I, I've
1: never eaten chimpanzee.
0: Yeah.
1: Really? You think no, I have? No, nah, I don't know. <laughs> not intentionally. I just assume. Hey,
0: we don't know what's in those hot dogs.
1: Public school lunches are weird.
0: They really they are. They smell
1: weird. They look weird. It feels weird when they're giving it to you. Something fishy is going on. A game is a foot and we're going to grow third arms. We're going to grow a foot. Our children, gonna our children foot. are <laughs> going <laughs> A game is foot, and you will now grow an extra one because of this mystery meat.
0: Neutrophils have a variety of pattern recognition receptors which recognize conserved molecules associated with pathogens as well as complement receptors. So you remember how last week I kept explaining that complement proteins tag pathogens?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. All right, so well, now we're finally going to talk about that. The coating of a pathogen with complement protein is referred to as complement fixation. Okay. And when this is done to tag a microbe for death, it is called opsonization.
1: Okay.
0: The complement proteins are optimizing phagocytosis. Instead of having to locate and bind to a PAMP, a phagocyte can bind to the complement protein, garnishing our pathogen, triggering complement receptor-mediated phagocytosis. Okay. So this is useful because those complement components don't change Mm -hmm. while the PAMPs on a pathogen can. And so that was something we were talking about last episode about how pathogens are trying to evade our immune system. like They Mm -hmm. are, except for viruses, even though they do still evolve, but- They're trying not to die, and they're trying to evade our immune system, and so they're constantly mutating and changing. And so while our innate immune system recognizes a lot of these PAMPs, and for the most part, they're fairly effective because, like we were saying, why reinvent the wheel? A lot of them do Mm -hmm. use these same molecules over and over and over again for different structures and functions. Yeah. But some of them evolve and some of them change, and so some of these PAMPs may not be as effective.
1: Mm -hmm. Try something new. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and and so that's where these complement components really help is because they're tagging these pathogens and the part that the our leukocytes will eventually bind to and recognize, that part never changes. Mm-hmm. And so as long as we can get those complements on a pathogen, even if it doesn't have any PAMPs to be recognized by our leukocytes, our leukocytes will still recognize those complement components.
1: Yeah. Just one of the two.
0: Yeah, and so this is the same premise uh, as antibodies. That's exactly what antibodies do as well, but those are part of the adaptive immune system. So we're going to go ahead and stop talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. those for now.
1: Is <laughs> it secret.
0: Once the neutrophil has identified the pathogen using either PAMP receptors or complement receptors, and as I peel back the curtain a little bit, uh, antibodies also, but not talking <laughs> about that, the pathogen is engulfed via receptor-mediated phagocytosis. There's
1: like a snick, hinging its jaws and just... Slowly engulfing a small child.
0: I guess it kinda does look like that. Like how One. like it does kind of look like a mouth coming over.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. That's why I think about it. You think about just I like, think about it when I sleep. It it haunts my dreams. Mm,
0: yeah, you've been having some gnarly dreams I as have of late.
1: Some weird nightmares. It's oh like if anybody goodness. out there is an
0: anime fan and you've seen Deadman Wonderland, that's essentially <laughs> her dream. But she's never seen Dead Man Wonderland, so I'm yeah, just no. like Wow, that's amazing that you're just making that independently. Mm -hmm.
1: In one dream I was a superhero, in another one I was either a victim or the person torturing these people. I couldn't tell. I don't know. I was in both versions. It was weird.
0: She has a lot of pent-up aggression. I do. (laughs) The pathogen is then internalized and enclosed into a small compartment called a phagosome. The different granules then fuse with the phagosome where it is safe to carry out all of the horrible biochemical torture they're about to commit on this pathogen. Oh, my God. Where is bacterial Bin Laden? Where
1: is he? (laughs) Where is
0: bacteria Bin Laden? Okay, so let's go ahead and explain these granules a little further. Okay.
1: The little dots, right? Yes, the little little dots dots that you see in the
0: picture. There are three different types of neutrophil granule that will fuse with the phagosome and act on the pathogen. The primary granules are mm-hmm. packed with a variety of proteins and peptides that work to disrupt and degrade microbes. Okay. A couple of examples of these degradative enzymes include uh, lysozymes, mm-hmm. defensins, which I believe we talked about last episode, mm-hmm. myeloperoxidase, etc. Okay. So these primary granules are marked by the presence of the enzyme myeloperoxidase okay so it's
1: the primary one the primary yes so
0: that is the primary granule but it does have all these other antimicrobial Mm -hmm. uh proteins and peptides that's just kind of like the main one that they're characterized by okay then there is the secondary granules Mm -hmm. which are marked by the presence of the protein lactoferrin and unsaturated lactoferrin is actually able to compete with microbes for metal ions. Mm, Give me the metal. (laughs) More importantly, these granules also contain NADPH oxidase as well as lysozyme, and we'll get into why that NADPH oxidase is important in a moment, but let's first explain the tertiary granules, which are characterized by the presence of the enzyme gelatinase. Gelatinase is a metal-containing protease, so it is able to restrict the growth of bacteria by also sequestering metal ions, specifically iron, Okay. gelatinase also catalyzes the cleavage of gelatin and collagen.
1: Mm, Just like the name says. Yes. Okay, that's easy to remember.
0: And the granules are just named in the order that they're produced by neutrophils.
1: That makes sense. Yeah, primary, secondary, and tertiary. Yes. One, two, three, (laughs) each.
0: Now that we have a base understanding of the different granules inside a neutrophil, Let's explore how they work together to make an especially deadly chemical reaction within these phagosomes. Oh,
2: Jesus.
0: <laughs> While the tertiary granules may restrict bacterial growth, the killing is really done by the primary granules, secondary granules, and lysosomes within the neutrophil. And would you like to explain lysosomes real quick to the audience?
1: Yeah, sure. So, uh so the lysosomes are going to be those organelles that are within those membrane-bound cells. And if you remember, those are going to be the eukaryotes, not the prokaryotes. Those are like bacteria. And so these lysosomes, they contain these different um digestive enzymes, which really allows them to break down all these Worn out cell parts, you know, the old shit, get in with the new shit, (laughs) and also like evading pathogens, so bacteria and viruses and stuff. And so it's basically like the cellular garbage disposal that works, unlike yours.
0: (laughs) Yeah, damn it. I I forgot that I need to go fix it. Every once in a while, my garbage disposal just likes to go out, and I got to go restart it. You
1: got to go fix your lysosome. I got to
0: (laughs) go fix my lysosome. Yeah, so like I think we discussed lysosomes a little bit too in the COVID-19 episodes mm-hmm. because we were discussing the fusion peptide and how like an endosome yeah. will eventually fuse with the lysosome, which will degrade anything within it. And so for a little more understanding of that, you can go listen to those episodes. Yeah go But I do intend eventually to do an episode on the endosomal pathway. Just oh yeah, because,
1: that was very interesting. Yeah, it's
0: super interesting because if you don't understand They're the bubble. endosomal yeah, if you don't understand the endosomal pathway, like you don't understand how drugs mm-hmm. get into cells, like you don't understand how viruses get into cells, you don't understand yeah. how they get the things they need. And so mm-hmm. we will definitely talk about that Hell yeah. one day in the future. One day. But for now, <laughs> all of the antimicrobial proteins and peptides in neutrophil granules are kept inactive at a low pH. Mm-hmm. And so, just a quick reminder on a pH scale. so like there there are things that go outside of this and uh, but, it, in, but this general, mostly it. in general, yeah. in it, general, it goes one to 14. Mm-hmm. and seven is neutral. And as you get closer to 14, you're getting more basic. And as you get closer to one, you are getting more acidic.
1: So low pH is more acidic. More acidic. Basically. And so
0: these granules mm-hmm. are kept inactive at a low pH. Therefore, it is a more acidic, acidic. environment. Correct. Not necessarily very acidic, but is like more acidic.
1: More acidic than what it will be later on exactly. during this process.
0: However, once the granules fuse with the phagosome and release their payload, mm-hmm. a chemical reaction activates them. And so remember, like, okay. even though... What's kinda weird to me is that like when you think of a granule, you think of like that's already the smallest unit. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Super but tiny. so yes, yeah, but remember that those 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 degradative enzymes and such are within these granules. And so the yeah. granules fuse with the phagosome and they release their innards, and those are all the actual special components that are gonna do our killing.
1: Mm-hmm. The chemicals come out to play.
0: <laughs> so the NADPH oxidase mm-hmm. deposited by secondary granules produces superoxide radicals that are then converted into hydrogen peroxide by the enzyme superoxide dismutase.
1: Okay, so this enzyme comes in and changes one thing to another.
0: Exactly. So it starts with NADPH oxidase, Mm -hmm. then produces superoxide radicals that are then converted into hydrogen peroxide
1: by the enzyme
0: enzyme Superoxide. superoxide dismutase. Cool, cool. These reactions rapidly consume hydrogen ions, which Mm -hmm. increases the pH of the phagosome to 7.8 to 8 within minutes of phagocytosis.
1: So that switch is now turned on. It's getting more basic. The go light is on. The floodgates are open. We're ready to release havoc.
0: At this higher pH, all of the antimicrobial peptides and proteins become activated Mm -hmm. and they can now proceed to attack the trapped microbe. Mm -hmm. After approximately 10 to 15 minutes, the pH starts to drop back down to a neutral pH of 7. At this point, lysosomes fuse with the phagosome to form a phagolysosome. The acidic hydrolases provided by the lysosome are activated within the lower pH of the phagolysosome okay. and continue to break down the pathogen.
1: Mm, so they, they join forces. Yes. Just go hardcore.
0: So yeah. So the first set of antimicrobial proteins and peptides are activated by the more basic environment. Mm-hmm. But then once the lysosome comes in and drops off its enzymes, collectively referred to as acid hydrolases, mm-hmm. those are activated by a more acidic environment, which is provided by the lysosome. Okay. And so it's just like it's just like literally a barrage of biochemical attacks.
1: That's cool.
0: <laughs> and this pathogen is literally just trapped inside of a phagosome.
1: Okay. That's cool. Like a pit.
0: Yeah, kind of. Okay. Fueling this biochemical attack is an increase in oxygen consumption referred to as a respiratory burst. Mm -hmm. So those reactions involving NADPH oxidase and superoxide dismutase Mm -hmm. that we mentioned moments ago are the respiratory burst. And so here are some chemical equations for you.
1: Oh, that reminds me of uh, microbiome. Didn't we have to do a...
0: Catalase test.
1: Yeah. 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 And that's the picture it had. It was the one. Oh, I can't remember. Was it the one with the little the dot? In the yes. It page? is the little dot. And you okay. just see if
0: bubbles form. That's cool. <laughs> so here are the reactions drawn out. And uh-huh. as you can see on the reactant side of both equations, we're consuming two O2 molecules per Reaction.
1: The reactant side is the left side.
0: Yes. And so, yeah. So for this picture, the reactant side, it's on the left side. Mm -hmm. And then oxygen is one of those atoms that's never by itself. So you're always going to see it either bound to something else or bound to one of itself. So that's why it's O2. Yeah. And so each reaction consumes two oxygen molecules. Mm -hmm. And so that's the the consumption of oxygen we were referring to, which is called a respiratory burst. Mm Mm-hmm. This not only increases the pH to activate other antimicrobial proteins and peptides, but it also produces toxic oxygen species like hydrogen peroxide. And so these toxic oxygen species are also able to damage the pathogen. Unfortunately, these reactive oxygen species can diffuse out of the cell and damage other neighboring cells.
1: That's how hardcore it is, just bombing everybody accidentally.
0: (laughs) To limit collateral damage, catalase is produced during the respiratory burst as well. But this enzyme breaks hydrogen peroxide down to water and oxygen.
1: Mm, the nice ones.
0: <laughs> yes. And so, so all these oxygen species are being made mm-hmm. and they're toxic. And so they're going to do some damage to that pathogen. But again, like they are, they're, they're molecules. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're oxygen species. Like they're going to diffuse out of that cell. Like you mm-hmm. can't contain those. And so they're going to start causing other damage, and that's why you also have to make this catalase in order to break down hydrogen peroxide. Yeah,
1: the body tries to do as much as it can to not damage everything. It, it really tries to put different things in place to help your cells out while it's damaging. Yeah, the,
0: the whole other cells. a lot of things with
1: or not other cells, I guess you would say pathogens. Yeah,
0: yeah, like in medicine, and especially when you're talking about the immune system. Mm-hmm. A lot of things are a cost-benefit analysis. Mm -hmm. It's like, yes, all of these things, especially when we get into the next episode where we explain the inflammation process and all of that, all of these things hurt the body. Yeah. And sometimes they may end up killing you. In an attempt to defend yourself, your immune system will literally kill you. Yeah. But it's a cost-benefit analysis. Mm -hmm. If the immune system does nothing... That pathogen is then gonna overrun your body fucked. and you're yeah, gonna yeah, yeah. die anyway.
1: Like a little a little example, just quickly not going super into it because we wanna save all of that for next up next episode and the adaptive immune system, but like a fever. You know? Yeah, it's exactly. super hot because you gotta kill everything else, but people die of fevers. That was super common back then. It's it can be super common now if you don't like um get the proper help that you need. So that's that's one example. Yes. The fire within your body is just being unleashed. You gotta quench it.
0: Quench that thirst. Yeah, before you die. With the sprite. Cool. <laughs> I wish. Oh, why Sprite advertising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: sprite is weird. It's yeah, so I weird. love a good sprite though. It's so though.
0: good though. Yeah. All right, so check this out. So oh, here is a picture.
1: Oh, of the process. Of this the is, process. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah.
0: Th- so this is a neutrophil mm-hmm, killing a bacteria. So in this mm-hmm. particular picture, which I will be posting, it is a bacteria, and so you can see how receptors are binding to pamps on the bacteria yeah, and it l- is
1: the little bubbles on the
0: yes on the yeah. bacterium and so it is phagocytizing the bacterium and it now comes into the neutrophil where it mm-hmm. is enclosed in this small phagosome
1: yeah it closes up once it gets in there it's it reminds me like a lava lamp the way that it, it it all just kind of merges together it's yeah very fluid. It, yeah exactly
0: yes and yeah. so and so on this picture you're going to see something called azerophilic granules and those are the exact same as the primary granules those are just another name for it okay and specific granules are just another name for secondary granules okay
1: so the blue circles are your primary and the was it orange squares are your secondary. are the secondary picture technically
2: yeah
0: yes correct and so now you can see that the phagosome is held within and -hmm. the granules are going to fuse with the phagosome and at that point that is when this respiratory burst occurs mm-hmm. where oxygen is consumed rapidly in order yeah. to activate all of these antimicrobial peptides and proteins mm-hmm. and it gets broken down and so you can kind of see here how the bacterium we once had is a husk of its <laughs> former self it's literally just <laughs> this like shriveled sad up yellow, shriveled uh, yellow? husk.
1: what great <laughs> great <It's gray>. <laughs> i'm colorblind <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it's a shriveled up gray piece of chewing gum. Yeah, and so like,
0: that is what's left within our phagosome. And now mm-hmm. you see our lysosomes coming in. So our lysosomes fuse with it. And now it gets degraded down to essentially nothing. Something
1: even smaller, yeah. Those little those little teeny tiny dots within that weird, weird shape is the sad chewing gum gray piece. Yeah, those, like, once are, once all, yeah,
0: those are all the stuff. little bits left behind. Mm-hmm. So, to fully understand this next panel, I must first explain that a neutrophil is unable to replenish their granules. So, once they're used up, the neutrophil dies, having served its purpose.
1: Where it then is burned on a ceremonial pyre and its ashes are dusted around as a job well done. Well, it's kind (laughs) of funny that you
0: say ashes being dusted around because the ooey-gooey innards that are released by dying neutrophils is what we then see as pus on a wound
1: yeah and everybody's like oh my god that's so gross but when when you see yeah pus, pus is a
0: sign of healing
1: yeah your your body's doing a god a, a god job it's doing a godly job <laughs> no it's doing a good job um you should still clean your wound if you see the pus. yes and kinda so help it yeah out.
0: so so the pus but is a, a product bad, of bad your immune sign. system but yeah. it is a sign that you have an infection because there yeah. would be no pus formation if there wasn't a micro battle occurring in yeah, your knee. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: And so that is when in this last panel you see that the dead neutrophil is then engulfed by a macrophage.
1: Mm-hmm. It's cleaning up all of the trash that's around the battlefield. What are those people called? That There were people that were on battlefields that would just, like, clean up dead bodies as they would go, right? Or was that all at the end?
0: I mean, yeah. I'm sure that was definitely somebody's job.
1: yeah. That's basic. That's kind of like what the macrophages do. Yeah, you
0: here. just like yeah. after the battle ends, you just go around like Leaning you're good, up. and if they're still alive, you pull them off. Yeah, like old <laughs> school war. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly.
0: And as if neutrophils weren't already interesting enough in <laughs> life, they have one more trick in death.
1: One more trick up their sleeve.
0: Yeah, I appreciate this next bit because I've always It's really cool. I've always loved that poem where it's like don't go gentle into that good night and this oh, is damn. like the epitome of that. Yeah, yeah, have you have you ever read that poem? I haven't. Yeah, they it's mentioned a lot
2: I've
1: in Interstellar, line, but I've never Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he yeah. Says it and a lot. and so yeah, so
0: the poet the poet is writing the poem for his father mm-hmm. who's dying of cancer. Aww. And so the whole point is like do not go gentle into that good night, like you should go into it kicking and screaming. Like yeah. don't just give up and die fight Mm -hmm. and so it was meant for his father but anyway i digress (laughs) neutrophils can die in two ways the boring way is by apoptosis which Mm -hmm. is just programmed cell death yeah the neutrophils that die this way are quickly scooped up by another much larger phagocyte that we'll talk about later called a macrophage and so i name dropped it a moment ago
2: yeah
0: (laughs) people were probably confused we will talk about them because remember this episode is about effector cells (laughs) The second and more fun way that a neutrophil can die is by netosis, yes. which produces neutrophil extracellular traps, or nets, that trap and kill pathogens. How
1: very literal. Just comma-causing their self. So heroic.
0: Yeah, well, they're going to die anyway, so exactly. it's like you could at yeah. least do it in a cool way.
1: Just, and it just kills everything around yeah. <laughs>
0: During mitosis, the neutrophil's nucleus swells and bursts, Mm -hmm. and the chromatin, which keeps its DNA all nicely packed, dissolves. Mm -hmm. The decondensed DNA, decorated with histones and antimicrobial peptides derived from granules, is then expelled from the neutrophil.
1: Okay, so all that shit comes out. (laughs) Yes.
0: So, real quick, chromatin is a complex of histones, which are proteins, and DNA. By binding and wrapping around histones, DNA is condensed into chromatin fibers. Mm -hmm. Then chromatin fibers are further condensed into chromosomes. If the chromatin complex dissolves, then the DNA is just like a floating ball of spaghetti.
1: Yeah, it is, huh? In the pictures they show us, it's like basketballs wrapped with like literally spaghetti. That's what it looks like. Yes, and
0: so that's what's being expelled from the neutrophil because... Mm -hmm the chromatin complex has dissolved, so you're getting this spaghetti. Yeah. And um, it's adorned with all of these antimicrobial peptides derived Uh from the granules. Uh, Yeah. And so spaghetti, except the sauce (laughs) and meatballs are deadly. Oh, shit. (laughs) Some of the proteins present in neutrophil nets are bactericidal defensins, Mm -hmm. several proteases, which are enzymes that break down proteins, and calprotectin, which impairs the growth of fungi. So needless to say, neutrophils are straight up killers, yeah
1: they just <laughs> they just unpacked everything that was needed to kill any kind of pathogen yeah they're all often
0: the they're often referred to as the infantry of our immune system because they no, are yeah, that
2: makes complete they're sense.
0: so abundant, there's so many of them uh-huh. they're the first ones to be recruited, and they all they do is kill
1: yeah, they want to give their and life even
0: in death, the they cause. keep killing yeah
1: pretty cool they know what's up they're very. they really
0: are cool Mm -hmm. yeah neutrophils are so complex like there's a couple of these effector cells that really could have their own episodes but i like i'm just trying to get this base knowledge of the immune system so that later on in the future we can talk about fun diseases and stuff like that and don't have to worry about explaining this stuff over and over again Uh now let's move on to our other two granulocytes okay while the neutrophil is our most abundant granule site, the eosinophil is our second most yes, abundant.
1: Worm Patrol! <laughs> worm
0: Patrol. <laughs> I don't
1: know why, but I really like eosinophils. They've just always interested me. I think it's just because they have to do with like parasites mostly. And they do other things too, but I don't know. They're just interesting to me. So these ones have two it's bi granule not granule sorry bilobed
0: bilobed nuclei yes bilobed. and so these eosinophils once again here is a picture of the cartoon version and the more mm-hmm. real life version and it has a bilobed nucleus and so it's just it kind of looks like kind of looks like two beans
2: <laughs> <laughs> it, looks like it does lungs. look like
0: lungs <laughs> i don't know if way anybody's be- seen that way that commercial
1: <laughs> little lungs <laughs> it's a smoking commercial right yeah
0: it's a it's a smoking commercial and so it's supposed oh, to be gosh. little lungs and it's all these like big buff healthy lungs that are able yeah. to do all these activities and the one lagging behind is little lungs
1: he somehow like breaks in half which is really concerning <laughs> yeah little lungs, little lungs.
0: <laughs> so as Mia alluded to, <laughs> eosinophils are tasked with neutralizing internal parasites, yeah. such as helmets, which are a class of small parasitic worms. Yeah. And yeah, those, those guys can go anywhere. They're like, mm-hmm. there's liver flukes, and a fluke is just like another flat worm. And so like, there's liver flukes, lung flukes, like th- those worms they go will everywhere. dig into anything.
1: Yeah, even your, your, um, your, like, Hard muscle, like leg muscle, yes, and well just chill so in there, like for uh, what was it tape- tapeworms,
0: yes, tapeworms, tapeworms are gnarly, those are like the biggest oh they're so gross. pathogen we are ever infected with are probably tapeworms because those Bodies those fuckers get big,
1: literally break off and just seed yeah <laughs> it's it's, it's so pretty it's
0: so gnarly, gross. I know the one that blew my mind was pretty for class. any of those who. Have ever seen pictures of people with elephantitis?
1: Oh shit! Which one is that? So
0: elephantitis is actually caused by a parasitic worm, which blocks.
1: Which worm is that? Do you remember which one? I
0: don't remember the type of worm. Small though, right? And this is something that we're eventually going to cover on in this immunology series. But they block your lymphatic vessels, and so it keeps your lymph, which is a fluid, fluid. From, from flowing. <laughs> and so it essentially gets stuck in these areas because the worm is literally blocking it. And then that's how you get elephantitis.
1: Yeah. It's just that buildup of all that fluid. And so it looks huge. Yeah. Like and your, so, yeah, yeah, it's a very
0: specific parasite, blanking can't on wait the to name. Go back into it. Yeah. But it's because. That's not what we're talking about today.
1: Yeah, it's not, but we will one day.
0: Since eosinophils are dealing with larger microorganisms, Mm -hmm. they do not engulf and kill their targets internally. I do believe they have the ability to phagocytize things, Mm -hmm. but that's not really their bread and butter. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Instead, upon recognition of a parasite, eosinophils will deposit their granules extracellularly Mm -hmm. or outside the cell. Onto the parasite, so like it's literally kind of like just spitting it, it out. It's kind of carpet bombing parasites. Yeah, like it comes over it, identifies, and then it drops its deadly payload on top of it. <laughs> <Ew>. Eosinophils contain <laughs> two different kinds of granules: azerophilic and specific. And yes, yeah, that we sounds. Saw in the picture right. Yes. Okay. Yes. So they just keep reusing these words. You just have to know, like it's like, oh, eosinophil azerophilic granules or neutrophil azerophilic granules. And the, these granules contain different things. I kind of hate that they did the naming that way.
1: Yeah, but they're, they're similar, but not the same.
0: They're same, same, but different. Exactly. <laughs> so the eosinophil azerophilic granules contain acid hydrolases as well as a variety of other degradative enzymes. Okay. The magic happens with the specific granules, which contain major basic protein. And yes, that's literally what it's called, is major basic protein, or MBP, eosinophil cationic protein, or ECP, Mm -hmm. eosinophil peroxidase, EPO, and eosinophil-derived neurotoxin, or EDN.
1: Okay, so it has all four.
0: Yes. So those are the specific granules. That is what's inside the specific granules, is that MBP... Mm-hmm. ECP, EPO, and EDN.
1: Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha.
0: The neutralization of a parasite is caused by the eosinophil cationic proteins, which create pores and defects in the surface of the pathogen,
2: mm-hmm.
0: MBP, which is a potent toxin to parasites, and eosinophil peroxidase, which gives rise to toxic oxygen species, such as hydrogen peroxide,
2: mm-hmm.
0: hypochlorous acid, and Superoxide, okay. and so those are the things that are killing this parasite. Okay. Interestingly, eosinophils also play a major role in allergic reactions, but <laughs> we'll save that for an allergies episode. Oh,
1: yeah, I'll have a lot to say about that. I'm literally a sniffling ball of slime. I have.
0: You really are. We were actually allergies. just talking about that moments yeah. before recording because I do all of the audio <laughs> stuff. I do that sniffle a lot. Yeah, I do the recording and the editing and stuff like that. And so when I'm listening to the editing. <laughs> One of the things I'm mostly (laughs) cutting out on Mia's side Uh, is sniffles.
2: Sniffle,
1: sniffle.
0: Sniffle, sniffle. Yeah, I've gotten
1: better with my allergies just because as you get older, you you learn what you need to do in order to not have an alert. So, like, an example. So if I smell freshly cut grass and I need to go somewhere and I see that I'm close to the door of an entrance somewhere, I will literally hold my breath till I get into the establishment because I know if i inhale some kind of grass allergen or tree allergen i am fucked for the rest of the day (laughs) i my eyes will swell and get watery they'll itch it's just like a whole a whole thing
0: i remember one day in high school it was like my Mm. junior or senior year i got really bad allergies they're the worst (laughs) and for days i sounded like the godfather (laughs) really yeah like i like the teachers just stopped picking me to read because they horse. thought i was just fucking with them because i'm just there like you come to me
2: on the day of madonna's <laughs> wedding but it's
0: like but i'm reading hamlet
2: yeah <laughs>
1: Oh, that sucks. Yeah, they're the worst. I have to take like a like a cocktail of medicines just to feel. Mm-hmm. Some yeah, kind of that's relief. how my grandma
0: is. She has mm-hmm. like her own special cocktail of different antihistamines yeah. and stuff like that yeah. that she just pops.
1: Yeah, I think I used three three different medici- medications. Medications, terrible. But anyways.
0: Yeah, so we're gonna separate. Uh, we'll talk about the allergies in a separate episode because yeah. these effector cells actually aren't. Supposed to cause allergies? Yeah. Uh, that's more a product of the modern world, since mm-hmm. we don't experience as many parasitic infections, and so our body in the developed nations, like, it's just not used to having to deal with parasites and worms. So now it
1: has to focus on something else. Ex-
0: exactly, and so it's essentially untrained, and it's kind of a hyper response toward other things, we'll and get so to, we'll get to that later. exactly. But they're not supposed to do that, and so <laughs> here's a picture yes. of here's a nematode. And so a nematode is just a species of small worm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so here's a nematode.
1: So, yeah, that green little thing is supposed to, supposed to be a worm. A yes. larvae, apparently.
0: And so here is our eosinophil. And mm-hmm. then right here, you're, you're going to see it in the picture. I'm going to explain it when we get to the adaptive immune system. But you will see IgE on the surface Which of this nematode. And that is an antibody. antibody. Mm-hmm. But you'll also see and this – what I want people to focus on in this picture is – the C3 and complement receptor, because that is something we have already talked about. Okay. And so C3, which is a complement component that we talked about, is one of the first things that mm-hmm. attacks invading pathogens, which is not a cell. It, they're simply a... It's a tag. They're simply proteins. And so our nematode here has C3 on it. Mm-hmm. And so now our complement receptor on the eosinophil, instead of uh, connecting to or identifying some kind of PAMP on the surface of... The nematode, is able to just recognize the marker that has been placed on it, which is C3. Mm -hmm.
1: And so once there's another part of it, again, the adaptive immune system where you see the IgE and stuff. But once it connects, then that's when all those little fuckers come out to play.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it kind of just looks like a swarm of like insects. It's giving me, I can't remember his name now for the life of me, but the character from Naruto that like controls bugs.
2: Oh okay, okay And okay, he just yeah, has yeah.
0: like swarms of bugs that fly uh-huh. out of him. That's what it's giving me the vibes of. But you have our eosinophil and all of the granules are being... So this process is called degranulation. Mm-hmm. And so you see all of these granules attacking this nematode. And you see right here that it, it says some of the specific granules, MBP and ESP, which were some of the things that we were discussing just moments ago.
1: ESPN. Oh, man. But yeah, it, eventually it'll cover it and... In- Degrade it as best as it can. Yes. Yeah.
0: So time for our next granule site. Mm-hmm. Basophils are the least abundant granule site and are actually so rare that relatively little is known about them compared to the other leukocytes. And so that's the one I was mentioning earlier. Uh-huh. Where they're really hard to find. They're rare. And so, like, in class, they'd be like, hey, find a basophil. And I, I can't. <laughs>
1: like, I can't fucking find it. They are the drifters. And so here's <laughs> our
0: basophil. And you can yeah. see it has significantly larger granules compared to the other ones. And that's something that is typically characterized by. Mm-hmm. And then you can also see it has, like, this bilobed nucleus.
1: Yeah, it's hard to find. But when you find one, it's easy to recognize. Yes. Because it just looks like a mess. <laughs> a dotted mess.
0: So, while not a lot is known about them, Mm -hmm. we do know that they also aid in the immune response toward parasites as well as allergies. Basophils also have two different types of granules, azurophilic and specific granules, Mm -hmm. similar to the last two. And similar to eosinophils, the azurophilic granules contain acid hydrolases as well as other degradative enzymes. Okay. Although, the specific granules contain... Heparin, Mm -hmm. histamine, and lysozymes. Okay. Histamine, which a lot of people are probably familiar with because of antihistamines, is a hormone that induces the dilation of blood vessels, Mm -hmm. increases vessel permeability, and contraction of smooth muscle. Yeah. Part of this physical Mm -hmm. reaction is to make it easier for other effector cells to migrate into a site of infection mm-hmm. but it is also an attempt to physically move a parasite by contracting muscle
1: oh, that reminds me of your your bread because you had to move it for all the yeast to find new places to eat
0: <laughs> yes yeah yeah because i we i made like to sourdough. <laughs> yeah so for a while now i have been uh making sourdough before it was cool mm-hmm Cause everybody started making sourdough all of a sudden during the pandemic. And I was like, no, <laughs> I was like, this is my thing. You
1: also live on jury lane. Apparently. Yes. Uh,
0: so <laughs> yeah. So because the bacteria in yeast, because I- I'm using a starter that I'm making from like ambient bacteria and yeast. Like I'm not using
1: not like dry one.
0: activated. Yeah. I'm not using like actual yeast you buy in a store. Like I'm trying to do it more natural and old school.
1: Using duplex yeast. (laughs) Using
0: the yeast and bacteria that just naturally live in the air of my duplex. And that's what's kind of fun about that is because if you make your starter that way, every starter is like a little different because Mm -hmm. you have different things in the environment that you're making it in. And so it's really cool to do it that way. But from what I understand, a lot of the bacteria and yeast that goes into the sourdough starter is non motile. And so that means it's not able to move around. And so when all these bacteria and yeast eat all of the carbohydrates from the flour, it uh, produces gas, which is a process called fermentation. And so, yeah. And so in making this gas, that's what like raises, it makes your bread rise. Mm -hmm. But since my bacteria and yeast are non motile, I have to let it prove once. And then you kind of knock the dough back. And when you're moving the dough around again, you're essentially moving
1: you're physically moving. All the of the around. microorganisms yeah.
0: around so they can get into a new spot to eat more and make more gas.
1: Exactly. So that that's why it reminded me of that, because you have to actually physically move the yeast like the histamine does the parasite. Yeah,
0: so yeah, so it makes it makes uh, it makes the smooth muscles contract and so that is an attempt to move this parasite.
1: Doesn't it also make you sneeze, right?
0: Well, that's, that's the smooth yeah. muscle reaction. Yeah, so that that's what happens because of allergies, and so that's why with your allergies, you get the coughs, you get the sniffles, you get the tight chest, you get all these things, mm-hmm. but it's because it's meant to be trying to move a parasite out.
1: Yeah, physically sneezing. It, your body is physically trying to get it out, and so that's why you'll take it. antihistamines. Yeah,
0: same thing with... Uh, the because
1: that really... Takes a lot out of you just sneezing all day. I get so tired,
0: (laughs) yeah. Because you'll also sneeze and cough too, because of uh, because of the cilia on your mucosal surfaces trying to move out the pathogens and debris that get stuck. Mm -hmm. And so it gets to a point to where it just makes you cough or sneeze to physically expel the things that are caught in your mucosal surfaces. So that's another reason for the coughing and sneezing. So, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, these three granule sites are characterized by their multi-lobe nuclei mm-hmm. and are named and distinguished from one another based on the staining of their granules yeah. with different histological stains.
1: Mm-hmm, the little dots.
0: The granules of eosinophils contain basic substances. Okay. That bind to the acidic eosin stain. Mm -hmm. And so because of that stain, eosin, they're eosinophils. Basophil granules contain acidic substances, so they bind to basic stains. Mm -hmm. Basophil, basic. And neutrophil granules don't bind to acidic or basic stains.
1: Neutral. So neutral,
0: (laughs) neutrophils.
1: That's cool how they get their names like that so easy. Because it sounds so fancy and you're like, oh, I wonder how they got their name it's like it's staying that way
0: (laughs) yeah it's always that yeah i i I use this word a lot but just occam razor like it's just always the simplest solution it always ends up being because i know like a lot of people use occam's razor as like a cop out to not have to dig deeper into things Mm -hmm. and they're just like well the simplest solution it's like well sometimes you should still do a little digging occam's razor is just saying that for the most part the simplest solution is most likely the right one, and in this case, it usually is. Or it's just like, oh, that's why you're named that way. It's
1: neutral. (laughs) Neutrophil.
0: Okay, now let's move on to our second group of leukocytes. From the original common myeloid precursor, we can also give rise to the macrophage and dendritic cell precursor. Mm -hmm. While it is not mentioned in the name, the macrophage and dendritic cell precursor will often differentiate into a monocyte the progenitor cell to macrophages and sometimes dendritic cells. Mm-hmm. You see, the macrophage and dendritic precursor cell can differentiate directly into a dendritic cell, but not directly into macrophages. Okay. To make a macrophage, we first need a monocyte. Ooh, monocyte. And so here's a picture of a monocyte. Mm-hmm.
1: No granules. No granules and just
0: one big-ass nucleus that kind of takes up the whole thing.
1: This one's the biggest, right?
0: No. Fuck!
1: (laughs) Which one's the biggest? I forget.
0: Okay, it's either monocytes or macrophages. Okay. Because, yeah, I'm not totally sure because of- But this
1: one's bigger than the three we were talking about before. Yes, for sure. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. It looks pretty fucking big. (laughs)
0: Monocytes are leukocytes that circulate in the blood mm-hmm. and are characterized by their large size, distinctive indented nucleus, mm-hmm. and by all looking very similar to one another. Monocytes are the mobile progenitors to the sedentary macrophages, which are resident tissue leukocytes. Okay. Monocytes travel in the blood to different tissues where they then mature into macrophages. As the name implies, macrophages are characterized by large irregular shaped cells with substantial cytoplasm and numerous vacuoles, often containing engulfed material. And so here is a picture of a macrophage.
1: It looks fucked up. (laughs)
0: It does. And so yeah, so they (laughs) had a
1: hard day. (laughs) Well yeah.
0: (laughs) Well well, you're gonna see that they are responsible for a lot. It whoa! It does look like a horse. It's horse. It's horse. Its horse (laughs)
1: looks like a (laughs) nucleus.
0: It's it's nucleus looks like the knight piece from a chessboard. Yeah,
1: it
2: does. At least for this particular picture. Yeah, for
0: this particular macrophage that they identified and stained, because all of these pictures of the effector cells, it always has like the cartoon version, and then it has like the stained real version that they took a picture of. Yeah, exactly. Because you can see these with a light microscope. Yeah. Yeah, you don't need like a super crazy electron microscope. I mean, you can use mm-hmm. one, obviously, to see more into them. But uh, a regular light microscope is totally sufficient to, to see, see the cells. I think as long as you got like at least a 40X on it. Mm-hmm. I don't even think you need to. Uh, you might need to go 100X a to sample. see these better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Yeah, if you're going 100X, oh. make sure you use that lubricant.
1: Oh, that little bloop. That stuff?
0: Yeah, you got to lube it up because that 100X literally comes into contact with the slide. Mm-hmm. And you're going to scratch everything up if you don't lube it up.
1: Exactly.
2: And, you,
0: <laughs> and, and, you that's, and <laughs> that's the worst when you get a microscope and you try to look oh, through it. Yeah. And whatever, fuckface used it before you. Up. Just ruined it.
2: So you got to clean it before
0: yeah, you. Yeah. And then, like, you look curious. like the idiot when you're like, hey, I can't see anything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm blind. <laughs> like, no, your microscope's just fucked up.
0: So, macrophages are general scavenger cells mm. that phagocytize and dispose of dead cells, cell products, and invading microorganisms.
1: Scavengers. They're like hobos. Little hobos. Oh, Eliza. Eliza's a hobo.
0: Yeah, she's a cat hobo. Yeah,
1: we she, named her after a, We didn't name her. You named her I after I did name a... her after
0: So, yeah, I have this stray cat that <laughs> lives outside- and every once in a while, when it's like raining or super cold, I let her come inside and I like brush her hair and stuff and I let her sleep in the restroom, or like if I'm cooking, I'll let her just hang out in the kitchen because she's a good cat. she just oh
1: she's great she's yeah, very she sweet.
0: she had to have been owned by somebody before they just very kicked old. her out or something, but she's an older cat, and so mm-hmm. she's very low energy, so it works out. She can just sit around and <laughs> I feed her literally every day, yeah. And, like, she has no, because she has, so she's missing a, she has a, she's missing a couple of teeth because she's (laughs) older. And so, like, I only buy her, like, the pate, like, like, cat food. And so she's just super spoiled for being a homeless cat.
1: So you named her ELIZA, which is an acronym.
0: Yeah, I named her ELIZA, which stands for Enzyme-Linked Immunosorbent Assay. Yeah. And so that is, yeah, that's an immunological assay. And I'm sure one day we'll do an episode talking about about different immunological assays. But yes, my stray (laughs) hobo cat is named after science shit. That's so
1: cool. Because that's
0: that's how deep this stuff runs in my veins.
1: Oh, it's deep, deep, deep.
0: Deeper, deeper. Unlike their smaller, short-lived phagocytic cousin, the neutrophil... Macrophages are quite long-living cells with a lifespan that ranges from months to years.
1: Oh, yeah, that's way longer. Yeah,
0: some tissues just have a higher turnover rate than others, and so that's that range. Since all tissues have some sort of resident macrophages, Mm -hmm. these are typically the first cells to sense an invading pathogen. And so you may be wondering, I thought you said neutrophils were. No, neutrophils are the first to be recruited Mm. and so these macrophages are resident to these tissues they are already there and so they're one of the first thing they're one of the first effector cells that typically sense the infection and they're 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 the ones who kind of end up well we'll get into it
1: they're like a security system
0: yeah they they really are kind of like a security system (laughs) yeah that's a good that's a good analogy for them yeah they're they're
1: neutrophils yeah literally yeah
0: wow good job thank you that's what you're here for
1: i'm simile Smiley-mia. That's yeah. all I do. That's all I'm good for. Just is example. creating similes. Yeah. Make it understandable. Because this shit's fucking crazy. Make
0: it digestible.
1: For the masses. Mm. Straight to the base.
0: Wow, wow, wow. Just do like the whole thing in <laughs> the middle of the episode. <laughs> While macrophages can phagocytize and neutralize pathogens, mm-hmm. their key role in the immune response is to orchestrate a local response to infection by the release of cytokines, which can alter tissues, warn cells of an impending infection, Mm -hmm. and recruit reinforcements. And cytokines are small, soluble proteins, which are responsible for cell signaling. Cytokines are essentially how cells communicate with one another. Mm -hmm. It's like sending biochemical smoke signals. Mm -hmm. But since they're soluble proteins, Mm -hmm. they cannot cross the lipid bilayer of cells.
1: Me, oh, do you remember the cartoon we watched? He did not like it. Um, it's Horton Here's a Who because we couldn't find the. It was okay. It was okay, but it was oh the really, yeah because really, really we we watched
0: version. like the thirty minute version where they literally just yeah. read the book exactly and animate it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we were looking for the the newer one, which is way better. But it reminds me of that because um th- they aren't able to have their voices heard because of the little what is it like a piece of fluff? I guess they live.
0: in. <laughs> I mean, it's like an atmosphere essentially. <laughs>
1: yeah, but it's it's like a like a piece of dust it's a speck of dust yeah. is how they explain it so that reminds me of the speck of dust the lipid bilayer and they're not able to cross that barrier cuz their little voices can't be heard but eventually they do the little who uh do you do you remember the little who little baby yeah he says yop and it gets through the speck of dust and in this lipid bilayer example as well how does it do it
0: so in order to receive the signal, mm-hmm. a cell must have the appropriate receptor to interact with its respective cytokine. Okay. Cytokines are extremely important to the entire immune response as a whole, mm-hmm. but there is a plethora of them. So when we talk about entire processes as a whole in next episode, we'll talk about some specific cytokines that are especially important.
1: The yaps.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that's my thing. That that must be where that's from in Dead Poet Society, right? Because like I always remember thinking like why yop?
1: Wait, which part?
0: In the Dead Poet Society when Robin Williams tells the kids like stand up on your desk and give me like a yop.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: And so I'm like, "Oh, is that from Like your
1: voices be heard because the, Horton Hears a who then? The yop is the one sound that that they need it to they break need through. It to break through to be able to be heard by the and, larger animal. Yeah, and the yeah. whole point
0: of the lesson was that everyone's voices no matter how small
1: need to be heard yeah need yeah, to be
0: heard and exactly. so it's just kind of like oh like that makes more sense to it's me a great story and so that that's the one benefit of watching
1: it was dark though
0: it makes no sense to it me it was so dark that's my main problem with it as i'm just like leave them alone like all of these yeah. animals are so upset that yeah. this elephant is talking to a speck of dust and i'm like dude just leave them alone
2: boil that dust bag boil that
0: yeah dust. they get like a <laughs> it's whole so dark. like they get like a whole like
1: <laughs> they cage him and party rope him. to
0: come and like yeah. in a
1: cauldron of boiling water. On it, a it's pyre. awful.
0: It's like the town is like
1: yeah. They just don't believe him. He said, "Fuck you and your dust bag. We're gonna boil it. Gonna yeah,
0: but <laughs> those thirty minutes weren't wasted because now uh, I know where yop comes from. Yeah, exactly. And that makes way more sense. It's all about the yop. Now, when I'm thinking about Dead Poet Society. <laughs> Okay, let's go ahead and move on to our next effector cell because macrophages are really going to shine when we start talking about the response as a whole. Mm -hmm. And so that's when we'll talk more about those. But now dendritic cells. Yes. Dendritic cells are also resident in different tissues, Mm -hmm. but are distinguished by their star-shaped morphology. Mm -hmm. And so here's a picture right here. They kind of look like a starfish.
1: Yeah, or if you want to go with the really creepy, deadly motif of this episode, ninja stars. Just throw those bitches around. Kind of. Yeah.
0: That seems like a very non-air dynamic it's, it's, ninja star. It's, it's
1: funny how it looks like a star in the drawing and then <laughs> in...
2: <laughs> It's nonsense. <laughs> it yeah, it's the like a little yeah. like bush thing. <laughs>
0: in the in the actual real picture it looks like complete and utter nonsense. That's but funny. yeah, they look kind of like stars. But and you know what I was in thinking? In books
1: that's how it's depicted. When ninja you
0: star. said, yeah, when you said ninja star and I was looking at it and I was kind of like like I was kind of thinking in my head, mm-hmm. could you use that for a ninja star? And I was like, that doesn't seem very aerodynamic. Not at all. But you know how in like Lord of the it's Rings like and other <laughs> things there's always, like, the orcs or, like, the bad guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And their weapons always just look kind of...
1: That doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, they're like, their swords are just kind of wrong. <laughs> yeah. And, like, their bows and, like, their arrows are just all kind of wrong. Like, they're yeah. all just sort of weird. And it's like, oh, like, maybe this is, like, a ninja orc throwing like throwing oh, star. Oh,
1: shit. Could you imagine? Yeah. He's just, like, and then throws it. And it somehow makes its way into the head. I someone's don't speak heads. orc. I don't either. That's why I literally just mumbled and hoped it sounded right.
2: We're
0: going to... Man, I feel like playing Skyrim <laughs> now. All right. While dendritic cells are also phagocytic, mm-hmm. their role is more pronounced in the adaptive immune response. Okay. They essentially engulf pathogens or pathogenic products, process them, and then travel to present the processed antigen to the adaptive immune system. When it is needed. Oh,
1: I was like, have you ever had a dog just bring you a dead animal before?
0: I have not.
1: You haven't? I've seen a lot of videos of people's like dogs. They'll bring them like a and dead like, squirrel. And cats bringing or, like, them like a dead bird. Yeah, or a dead mouse. And then they're like, oh my god. And then when they set them down, the animal might not be completely dead. And it just plays dead and then it just like lets loose in their house and then the person screams behind the phone. Those always get me. Those are the funniest videos
0: ever. Yeah, so the Holy dendritic shit. cells <laughs> are uh, part of a class of cells called antigen-presenting cells. And so, yeah, so they, they, they go and they present
1: the antigen,
0: the antigen to the adaptive <laughs> Look what
1: I found you. immune system
0: <laughs> like a cat. They're the cats of the immune system. Everyone knows it. Oh. So, while dendritic cells are part of the innate immune system, Mm -hmm. and will be talked about more in the innate immune system series... Stay tuned. These star-shaped cells are going to shine in the adaptive immune system series.
1: Ooh, shine bright like a diamond. And,
0: yeah, so we're just going to kind of stop there for the dendritic cells, because Mm -hmm. they really are more important in the adaptive immune response and initiating that response. Yeah. The final lonely leukocyte... That doesn't belong to a group is the mast cell, mm-hmm. which is resident in all connective tissues. And so here is a picture of the mast cell. And you can see that it also does have granules. And it actually looks very similar to a basophil in yeah. that it has those larger granules. It's a mess. <laughs> but, like, the, the <laughs> nucleus is ve- it's, it's not lobed. Yeah, like a basophil one is like because the basophil nucleus was bilobed, and this one is just a singular nucleus. Mm-hmm.
1: It's kind of hard to see it though. I guess it would just be like the darker area that. You yeah, see.
0: well, I think it's because of those big thick granules is why yeah, like you have a really hard, hard time viewing the nucleus. Mm-hmm. So a mast cell contains granules similar to those of a basophil, like I was just mentioning, mm-hmm. but it is not closely related to the basophil developmentally. Mm-hmm. Okay. In fact, the direct progenitor. Of the mast cell had been a mystery for decades. Oh, uh. While researchers <laughs> have now identified what they call the mast cell progenitor, mm-hmm. super generic name,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> the mechanism by which it develops into a mast cell is still murky.
1: God damn it. <laughs>
0: So no uh, the degranulation of mast cells greatly contributes to the inflammatory response mm-hmm. as well as the allergic reaction. So similar yeah. to the basophil, its granules do also contain histamine. And so it does also affect allergies. Okay, so the mast cell was our last leukocyte. Mm-hmm. And while the majority of innate immune cells are leukocytes, There is one lymphocyte that is of the innate immune system. Let's go back to our hematopoietic stem cell. Mm -hmm. But instead of differentiating into the common myeloid precursor, it differentiates into the common lymphoid precursor.
1: To the left, 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 right? That's the way we're going. Yes, we're
0: going to the left now if you are looking at our hematopoietic stem cell family tree. It's
1: the green pancake.
0: The common lymphoid precursor can give rise to a B-cell or an NK-slash-T-cell precursor.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: B-cells belong to the adaptive immune system and can further differentiate into a plasma cell. Okay. The NK-slash-T-cell precursor can either become a T-cell or an NK-cell. Yeah. T-cells also belong to the adaptive immune system so, what does that leave us with, Mia?
1: The motherfucking NK cell beach.
0: Hell yeah. Yes. And so, yes, yeah, so here's our picture, and you can see the hematopoietic stem cell mm-hmm. becomes our common lymphoid precursors because now this family of cells are lymphoids, not yes. leukocytes.
1: In
2: the lymph.
0: NK and T cell progenitor, you see it differentiates into that which can then either become the T-cells or our NK-cells. As the name implies. pretty easy, yeah. Or it can go from that common lymphoid progenitor into our B-cell, and then our B-cell further differentiates into a plasma cell.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about that in the adaptive. I
0: mean, yes, this we still. will.
1: Hell yeah.
0: So uh, the NK stands for natural killer, Ooh. which is pretty metal. <laughs> NK-cells are large granular lymphocytes that act as effector cells in innate immunity. And so picture. here is a picture. Mm-hmm. And so you see you have those granules and you have this big nucleus.
1: Yeah. Oh, shit. That is really big. Yeah, it's a
0: huge nucleus. A it takes cushion. up like most of the cytoplasm. Yeah, it does. NK cells are especially important during an early viral infection. Mm-hmm. Uh, NK cells travel to sites of infection and prevent viral spread amongst cells by killing virus infected cells and secreting cytokines that tell cells to create an intracellular environment that impedes viral replication.
1: Yeah. lets them know what's up ahead of time. Yes, like, exactly.
0: Hey, and so, like, I, let you know. I had planned for the episode where we talk about, like, these mechanisms together, acting together as a whole. Yeah. I was thinking in my head, like, maybe we can do, like, what happens if it's a bacteria and then what yeah, happens yeah, yeah. if it's a virus.
1: Yeah, because it's very different. It is
0: very different because, like I said, like, that's the interesting thing is these cytokines will literally warn other cells that may not have been infected yet yeah. to... Change their intracellular environment to get ready to get ready essentially for, yeah. for a viral infection. Hey,
1: shit's about to happen.
0: Yeah, and so although
1: that <laughs> down the hatches, <laughs>
0: <laughs> button up. Yeah, f- I love Fury. <laughs> Such a good movie. Oh, I never man. gave a single fuck about tanks until I saw Fury. So good. And now I'm like, tanks are the coolest thing ever. It's so
1: good. I love you, Shia LaBeouf.
0: Unless you're like, oh, yeah, man, I love Shia. Me too. I wish they would have kept him for the Transformer movies cuz then you I might have
1: god. might have
0: kept watching them
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, right no. after
0: they brought Mark Wahlberg in, I was I like, was "Nah." i was
1: going to say sorry Matt Damon, but it's not <laughs> Matt Damon, it is Mark, they look so similar. <laughs> Fuck. Sorry Matt Damon. You are a great actor as well though. So many different actors. Okay. What in case else do? Tell me. Tell so while
0: NK cells help immensely mm-hmm. to control the spread of a virus among cells, yeah, they also respond to cancer by killing cancerous cells that refuse to die naturally as they've been programmed <laughs> to do.
1: Damn, it's like, oh, you want to live longer? Th- nope, sorry, I gotta kill you.
0: Essentially, you
1: gotta gotta cut it. <laughs> been here too long. Get the fuck out.
0: While there are two different types of NK cells, we're going to focus on the cytotoxic NK cells since we're discussing the immune system. Mm-hmm. The other NK cells are actually involved in placenta development, mm. so we'll probably revisit them in an episode about pregnancy. Oh
1: yeah.
0: Unlike our other granule sites from the leukocyte family, which seem to be very willy-nilly with their biochemical weapons... <laughs> NK cells can only kill one cell at a time by binding to specific ligands on the target cell surface. Oh,
1: they're really shitty multitasking.
0: (laughs) Yes, they are. But it's to prevent collateral damage. Fair enough. In order for an NK cell to kill a targeted cell, Mm -hmm. it must be activated by an activating ligand and not be deactivated by an inhibitory ligand.
1: Oh, that makes sense by the name.
0: So, it has two checks in place to Mm -hmm. prevent it from just going around assassinating cells.
1: cold-blooded fucking killer.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and so what I mean by these two checks is that what if a cell has an activating ligand, which a lot of them most likely already express on their surface. Uh And so, an, uh, an NK cell may bind to this activating ligand and think like, okay, I need to kill this cell. But then there's also that inhibitory ligand, which would tell it no- And so, for an NK cell to kill, it can't just get that activating ligand. It needs the activation and also the absence of inhibitory. Okay. So, even if a cell is expressing an activating ligand, if it still has that inhibitory ligand, the NK cell can't do anything.
1: Okay, okay, okay. So, it
0: needs the presence of one and absence of the other.
1: Mm, I see. That makes sense.
0: Major histocompatibility complex, or MHC, class 1 molecules, oh, I that. Oh, are shit. expressed on the surface of pretty much every healthy nucleated cell, yeah. and their main function is to present processed antigens to affect your cells.
1: <laughs> Look what I have for you. <laughs>
0: Look, Master. Look
2: what
1: I got for you, Master. <laughs>
0: For this reason, MHC class 1 molecules are considered the supreme marker of self versus non-self cells, i.e. pathogens. And so, remember, yeah, these MHC class 1 molecules are expressed on pretty much every nucleated cell. Mm -hmm. If an NK cell binds to an MHC class 1 molecule, it is deactivated because that is a marker of self. So that can act as an inhibitory ligand. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: However when a cell becomes cancerous or infected with a virus it typically loses its mhc class 1 surface molecule mm. or downregulates the expression of them
1: that makes sense so it's like it's like a little white flag like hey don't kill me please
0: yes kind of
1: friend, and when you lose that flag
0: you're no longer a friend you're a foe exactly so this can be due to the virus impeding the translation of proteins necessary to produce MHC class one molecules, Mm -hmm. likely in an attempt to keep the cell from communicating with cytotoxic T cells, which we'll talk about during the adaptive immune system. Because remember, those MHC class one molecules are meant to present antigens. And so they let other cells know that, like, hey, there's some bad shit inside of me.
1: Kill it. (laughs) Kill it.
0: Kill me. (laughs) Please kill me. I got bad shit in me. Kill me. Kill me now. And so that's kind of what those antigen-presenting cells are Mm -hmm. to cytotoxic T cells. And so the virus may be impeding this translation in an attempt to hide itself from the immune system.
1: Yeah.
0: Or the cell is down-regulating expression itself to allow itself to be killed by NK cells. Okay. So NK cells will just test cell after cell until it receives more activation cues, and less inhibitory cues. Mm-hmm. At this point, the NK cell is committed to killing the targeted cell. So, the adhesive interaction between them increases. At this point, the NK cell experiences an intracellular reorganization that facilitates the precise and clean delivery of their deadly payload. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> The various enzymes, proteins, and proteoglycans present in the NK cell granules disrupt the target cell's membrane. Mm. Once the membrane has been breached, a selective proteolytic attack induces the cell to commit programmed cell death or apoptosis. apoptosis. The remains of the apoptotic cell are then eaten up by resident macrophages because they're like the cellular garbage disposals
1: somehow cannibalistic it is somewhat <laughs> cannibalistic
0: i suppose you gotta do what you gotta do you gotta do what you gotta do you get a
1: taste you just can't
0: stop yeah because i i recently finished listening to a like a three-part podcast on the mm-hmm. donner party
2: Ooh. yeah
0: very interesting stuff wagon life sounds fucking <laughs> awful it. yeah <laughs> it's like i love to camp and i love the great outdoors but not enough but not really wagon, wagon life yeah no 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 van
1: life Sure. Van life,
0: down for van life.
1: Wagon life. Not like about it.
0: So those are all the effector cells of the innate immune system. Woo. We will talk about them more when we explain how they all work together as a system to combat invading pathogens. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to make sure everyone had a general understanding of all of the pieces at play before discussing the final battle
1: yeah like the chess pieces on the board what they all do what moves they make and you can always just go back to the little little chart that we had because those are all the cells that we talked about
0: yes and so yeah so I'm gonna post a thing because I was showing you the individual cells but Mm -hmm. those all actually belong to an entire chart that just has them all together yeah and so I'll be posting that and yeah when I was typing that last bit up I was actually thinking about how it's kind of like because I've been trying to force my roommate to get into Game of Thrones because I've been personally <laughs> so good. wanting to rewatch it, and so I'm kind of like, well, he's never seen it, and if I force him to watch it, it'll give me an excuse to rewatch, rewatch it. <laughs> and so, like I was telling him, like there's this one great, epic battle, super good episode called the Battle of the Bastards mm-hmm. for anybody who's watched Game of Thrones, and like the kind of way I equated it in my head in justifying just covering the effector cells in this episode. It's sort of like if I just show you that episode, yes, it's awesome. It doesn't
1: make any sense. And a lot of
0: cool things are going to happen, but you're not going to understand all the players and like what's at stake for them, what they do, who they are. And so that was kind of my rationale behind all of this is like, no, let's not confuse you with explaining the characters and then what they do. Let's just explain the characters first.
1: Explain the bastard cells.
0: All of these bastards. (laughs) Neutrophil snow. (laughs)
1: Oh my God, yeah, it is. It is like Jon Snow. The neutral is Jon Snow.
0: Yes, it does everything. It
1: does everything <laughs> except become king. <laughs>
0: oh, hey, don't ruin it for everybody.
1: Spoiler. Yeah, Sorry.
0: go watch Game of Thrones go if you haven't it. seen it. Yeah, Dad, you have HBO. I know Damn, you're listening to this.
1: I'm calling you out.
0: Watch Game of Thrones. But that is it for this episode. Yes. I think we now have enough background mm-hmm. information to bring all of these components together. From part one and two in the next episode.
1: The
2: final battle.
0: (laughs) In part three, we will talk about the innate immune response toward a pathogen as a whole. Mm -hmm. And like I was saying, we might do a couple of different examples of pathogens to see how they're dealt with by the innate immune response. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening. All pictures for this episode will be posted on our website, straighttothebrain.com. That's straight, the number two, the brain, straight to the brain. Dot com.
1: Check out all the pictures.
0: The pictures are located in the corresponding blog post for the episode. Yeah, I'll be there. All sources <laughs> used for this episode can also be found on the website under the Sources tab. Mm-hmm. Follow us on at Straight2Brain on both Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, say what's up. That is Straight, the number 2, Brain, at Straight2Brain on both platforms. Please rate and review. If you have any questions, comments, or episode ideas, you can email us at straight to brain at gmail.com once again that is straight the number two brain at gmail.com
1: not yahoo not msn gmail.com
0: not hotmail
1: not hotmail mom <laughs> now i'm calling my parent out
0: i mean you were talking shit about yahoo just now and God pretty sure you it. use I'm yahoo person
1: i do have a yahoo i have a gmail and a yahoo
0: as a disclaimer i am not considered an expert on the topics that i cover no we're not Goodbye and good luck in your endeavors. Later, dudes. This has been Straight Straight to to the brain. Brain.